Marriage is a story constantly being written, edited, and rewritten by two different people with distinct points of view. As such, it is liable to have many of your classic storytelling tropes. Archetypal characters, unreliable narrators, the hero's journey, and so on and so forth. Story is the way we make meaning out of the things that blow our mind, events that devastate us, and ultimately, the stories we tell are our path to redemption and forgiveness. However, can a story wield the strength to mend the breach caused by infidelity within a marriage? I am your host, Trevor White, and this is Marriage Stories. Hello, welcome. This week on Marriage Stories, we are really lucky to be joined by Harrison and Lauren. Thank you so much, Harrison and Lauren, for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as we do every week, if you could, could you introduce your partner? Mm. Uh, you go you first. Go first. <laughs> uh, okay, this is my wife, Lauren. Um, <laughs> how short do you want this? Well, just give us an idea who Lauren is. Where's she from? Oh, okay. Uh, born in Yazoo City, Mississippi, raised in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, luckiest woman on the planet. <laughs> Stop laughing. Um, let's see. She is, uh, how do you describe? I mean, I have written all, basically three books in which I attempt to describe this woman. Mm, yeah. Uh, still have not fully captured who she is. She it could be the moment that you figure it out. Yeah. Um, she is, gosh, uh, I don't even know what to say. How would I describe you? She's very funny. Um, she, uh, she loves naps and animals and she's an amazing, uh, person. She is really, really like everybody who's ever hired her to do anything, um, wishes they could have about 10 more of her. She's really good. She's a just a hard worker. She solves problems. Sometimes she solves problems, uh, that nobody else in the world has even attempted to solve like global warming or the conflict in Palestine. I mean, she's, she just, she yeah. can figure just about anything out. Yeah. Um, she is smarter and funnier than I am. Um, she, uh, hates to cook, but she cooks. But I remember you said that when we were dating that you hated to cook. Uh, she was a ballet dancer for many years, uh, a mom of three. Um, and gosh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. is that enough? Well, you just, cause this, in this podcast, I asked the hard hitting questions. What kind of naps are, is Lauren into? Is it like cat naps or are we talking like the, the epic hour long, two hour long? She can't answer this. I, so I, I love naps too, by the way, okay. but okay. she, um, she, I'll get a text, um, says I'm going to rest my eyes for a few minutes. Mm. And yeah. Classic my, famous last words. It, it might be. <laughs> she might text like an hour later and say that she didn't sleep at all. Okay. Or she will text, uh, like two hours later and, and the text will just say, I died. Yeah. Um, so she's all over the place. Uh, she, is. she doesn't nap as much as she used to. I know. Thank she you. I was about to nap that. a lot more. Yeah. But yeah, she, lo she loves to, uh, she loves to, she could do anything in the bed. She work in the Truly. bed, lay eat in the bed. Mm hmm. Love the bed. I do. I, I took a shower, got dressed, got back she in bed. She takes for a, a shower in the I bed. Take Zoom yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blur the background and sit up like no one knows you're in your bed. That's true. It's That's true. You can do I love naps and sleeping, but I do not love being in the bed. I, this is I about me. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lauren, what do you think? Is this a fitting introduction to you? Do you think it's fair what he said here? He hit, he hit most of the high points. Nice. All right, your turn. Okay. This is Harrison, Scott Key. Mm -hmm. He went by Scott most of the no, first. I've... No, no, no. Ha, ha. <laughs> no. Okay, half of his life no. he went by Scott. And then in grad school, he started going by Harrison. Um, his mom still will randomly call him Scott if she's having a bad day. <laughs> um, he was born in Memphis. Mm -hmm. Grew up in the country in Mississippi. 
Mm-hmm. And he is a writer, mm-hmm. teacher, and he has lots of degrees, like a PhD and like five master's degree. He would be a, mm. he's a perpetual student. Okay. In a good way. He's always learning and always wanting to learn and read and think and discuss. And I think he would go back to school just over and over and over again (laughs) if they let him. Um, What would you say his favorite degree is that he got? Um. I don't even know. You have a couple of master's degrees in various things: English, creative writing. His PhD is in playwriting, which he would mm. say was a mistake that he wished he had gotten his PhD in something else um, more broad. It was very, mm. it was a very narrow field. Yeah. Um, literature, English writing. Yeah, I mean, I write. Yeah, anything writing is. I could I'd just do it like breathing. So that's always fun. Yeah. Um, we have three girls. He's a great girl dad. Um, nice. Everyone has always said, oh, did you wish you had a boy? Or is your husband sad you didn't have a boy? And right. I've never gotten that sense. Not that we wouldn't have loved a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just a good girl dad. He's yeah. he, he gets the need for Starbucks and <laughs> um, shoes and makeup. They're all teenagers right. now, so we're in that world. Um, but even when they were little, he would always take them on fun little scavenger hunts and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, loves our dog, Gary. Gary's our, the son he didn't have. What kind of dog is Gary? Gary is a chocolate lab. He's nice. huge. He's 98 pounds. Yeah. Um, He's my biological son. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just said that. Um, Harrison's very funny, mm-hmm. um, witty. I play the drums. Plays the drums. Nice, nice. If he was going to play the drums in any band, what would be the best fit for him? Oh, um, I mean, he loves fish, I would say. That would oh. be. Don't hold that top. against me. Sorry. Well, he always says that he was like the drummer, the fish drummer, I think. He's <laughs> not as good as Harrison thinks he would be. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not as good as uh, I couldn't. No. Uh, we, right. You talked about Blue Man Group. Remember that group that was oh, like yeah. all drum drummers. Right. right. Oh, I would audition for yeah. them uh, for a yeah. while. Um, so he plays in our church band every Sunday. So the fact that we are Presbyterians and have a band makes our church very unique. It so is hilarious. The church band is hilarious. We don't do. We don't yeah. sound like any church band I've ever heard. <laughs> no. It's more like uh, like. Like if like Dolly Parton and Johnny Cash and James Brown formed a super group. <laughs> wow. That and would be thing about Jesus. <laughs> yes. Very yes. weird. But sometimes yeah. they sing about things not about Jesus, but we they play. haven't gotten kicked out yet. No, no, we'll we will get excommunicated if we anyway. what is your, what are, like you've done covers of of non Christian songs. Like, yeah, they have they have a the church band also has like a spin off band and they're oh, nice. they're a cover band and they played at a wedding. Oh yeah, we play. We we, yeah, we play weddings and funerals. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, great. So, Harrison, is this a fitting introduction to you? Oh, sure. Yeah, Um, (laughs) yeah. I'm a man of many introductions, and that one will work. Okay. Yeah, he's one of those interesting people that's an extrovert, but Mm -hmm. also doesn't really like a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) That category too. Somebody on my team yesterday was like, "You're you're such an intro- extrovert," and I was like, "Actually, yeah. I'm really not. I'm an right. extrovert with like three people, and then right, I just want to be in my bed by myself." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Well, very nice to meet you too. And so, how did we come to be as a couple? What's our origin story? You you, you always start this story first. Okay. So go ahead. Well, I mean. <clears throat> Uh, readers can <clears throat> read. I think I ta- I think I share some different version of our origin story in the three books that I've written. Mm-hmm. Um, but we met. Uh, I went to college with her sister. Who her sister and I were in the same freshman class mm-hmm. and had a history class together. Mm-hmm. Um, and her sister was a ballet dancer, sort of at the time. And she was. Well, she, well, anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, and Lauren. She only has one leg, so it made it hard. <laughs> she was a ballet hopper. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> Lauren came to visit her our freshman year and she was 15 and I was 18. And I remember meeting her. There were, uh, it was a handful of girls in the car. Uh, yeah. She doesn't remember meeting me then, but I distinctly remember meeting her because mm-hmm. she was so beautiful and um, did not look 15. She looked like a model. Uh she just didn't look like a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and I later learned that it's really because, um, I mean, ballet dancers just sort of walk differently and they know how mm-hmm. to put their makeup on because they've been doing it longer than most mm-hmm. people. Um, and so she just looked very elegant and beautiful. Yeah. And um, and then she came, I mean, we didn't like interact. I didn't hit on her or anything, but I would definitely remember meeting her and then she enrolled at Bellhaven about three years later and uh, as a student and we didn't interact at all it's a very mm-hmm. small campus but she had yeah. nothing to do with me and vice versa she was mm-hmm. into a different kind of person and I guess <laughs> I was too and we had um, a lot of mutual friends it was a tiny campus but we definitely yeah. did not like even say hi that I yeah. recall no I, what was your first impression of him Lauren um I mean, those those few years when I was a freshman and sophomore, it was definitely like he was not my people. (laughs) Like we just did not have like run in the same circles. He was very like long hair, Mm -hmm. like fish, hippie, like without wearing shoes. What she's saying is I was really sexy and she was (laughs) intimidated. You know, I, I knew he was smart because he, right. um, because of the friends that he was around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we just didn't interact at all. But I just, it, it was sort I was sort of indifferent. It's not like I didn't like him. I just didn't know right. him at all. Um, right. And had several serious, I had several serious relationships in college. Mm-hmm. Um, dated one guy for two years, dated another guy for four so during so college serious. and after um <laughs> and do y'all ever find it funny that we use the word serious when it comes to relationships it's like um as if these are going to be like really somber sort of you know <laughs> yeah cancer cancer relationship. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. it's uh, serious it's long serious term long term like yeah. to be in college and date somebody like i wasn't i was only at Bellhaven for three years but had like two long-term so fast forward, uh, I, I was in grad school. This was about four, three, four years after I graduated. Mm-hmm. She was no longer a student. She was living with a good friend of mine um, near campus, uh, waiting tables, teaching ballet, doing all kind of stuff. And so I would go home. Well, I'd come home to Mississippi uh, from grad schools from various places and I would often hang out with my friend, her name is Sarah, and we would hang out and, you know, go to bars and grab coffee and sit around smoking cigarettes. And Lauren was there. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of interacted and she was as beautiful as ever. Uh, but I, I noticed that she was also very funny and mm-hmm. interesting and in a way that I hadn't really understood as an undergrad. Yeah. And I think she felt the same way. And, we just kind of, I would see her over a period of, it was about a period of about a year, maybe six months when I would come home. And eventually mm-hmm. we were at the same wedding. And uh, for a very brief window of time, I was mm. hot. Um, <laughs> it lasted about three months. And- it was a summer and he'd lost a bunch of weight. I hadn't really seen him. I mean, it really had been probably a year since I'd seen you. And yeah. he had lost a bunch of weight, and he was super tan, and he had completely shaved slick. Like, oh yeah, right. You know, right. no hair, no beard, and right. he had a like baby blue linen shirt, which you know is kind of inappropriate for a wedding, but whatever. <laughs> um, and and I, I mean, I just remember thinking like, oh, he's like, he looks really cute. And then I immediately thought that that was the weirdest thing for me to think just because I had seen him and interacted with him so many times and never, ever thought he was attractive on any level. Um, But it was like, oh, he's kind of cute. And then we, yeah, we talked that whole night and went to friends and ended Mm -hmm. up like staying up till three o'clock in the morning and went to Waffle House and just the two of us. And it was, Um, and it was almost instant. Yeah, it really was. We started dating, like officially dating two weeks after that. And we were engaged six months later. 
and we got married three months. So our entire dating, engagement, and marriage was all in like nine, nine months. Nine months time. Wow. Wow. So your, your relationship was really, you know, a, a baby, you know, um, yeah. gestating there. Yeah. And then I let and, myself go and here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Many years so, later. Yeah. So, so, okay. We got married. When was that? So that was March of, no, we got married in 03. <laughs> 1986. We yeah, started, yeah. In 02, we got married in March of 03. So it'll be yeah. 20. One years this March. Okay, okay. And then, you know, we get married, we go off, we have some kids, right? We have three daughters. Yes. yes. Not at the same time. It was uh, <laughs> staggered. Um, and they're about two, two and a half they're years two, apart. They're all two years. So they're right? all, so right now, they're 12, 15, and 17. And the 12 year old uh-huh. will be a teenager 13, in about yeah. a month. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Three teenagers, essentially. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, as y'all, you know, transitioned from being an engaged couple to married, having kids, going through all of these things, what, what did you learn about your relationship and, and marriage? Like what, what was going well, what wasn't going well during that period of time? Uh, what I learned is that it um, was not very fun at all. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was fun some. It definitely it definitely felt immediately um, stressful. I mean, we had we basically had like every um, stressful factor factored mm-hmm. in, yeah. like into the span of like our first nine or twelve months of being married. Most it was a serious was, relationship, you know. It was, it was very serious. Well, yeah. I mean, part of what we we had we barely dated we had not dated for very long our entire right. relationship was long distance so right. we were really right. only together for maybe two months and mm-hmm. then everything our engagement was long distance um after we got married was still long distance because yeah. we got married over his spring break he had to go back and finish um graduate school so mm-hmm. we lived apart even after we got married right. um my mom had just died if you've if you read the book you've read mm-hmm. that part she died yes. 10 days before we got married yeah. um so it was, you know, it was job change and city change yeah, and right, family change right. and yeah. grief and loss. And then and then just like not only have we not ever lived in the same house, we'd never even lived in the same city before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was all everything was new right. and hard and different. But there were still there were moments where. It, it, we did obviously love each other and have mm-hmm. and enjoy being together. It was the yeah. circumstances that were not fun. Yeah. Like, in addition to all the things she's describing, I was now out of college for the first time in right. 10 years. I'd been in college for 10 years. Yeah. Right. And, um, and I, I, you know, was trying to become a grown up now. And yeah. so, what sort of one thing that we'd like to say is that, like, Basically, in the first year of marriage, um, we went through the life changes that most marriages don't go through for maybe 10 or 20 years. Yeah, um, right. Not, you know, mostly like the losing the parent, the moving to a new city, the yeah. out of yeah. school. I was I had quit smoking and I was I was like my whole pattern I, as a writer and a writing student, I was spending, you know, 12 hours a day by myself, writing, reading at the coffee shop. And all of a sudden yeah. I had to like sort of be a normal person and go home and like eat these casseroles <laughs> that she would make. And I didn't know how, I mean, I was a terrible cook. I didn't know how to cook, but I, I did. All I knew was as most people, all you know is your childhood, right? And like how right. your mom cooked and right. recipes that your right. mom made. So, you know, not only was I grieving the loss of my mother and trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to be a wife without her mm-hmm. help, I was like, but I can make her casseroles for yeah. 40 people, you know? Right. And so right. he would come home and he'd be like, what's for dinner? It would be like a random Tuesday. And I would have made like a whole pot roast that would have fed yeah. like 15 people. I was eating like And he a- was like, I'm just going to have cereal or yeah. sandwich. Yeah. Like I make cereal yeah red beans and rice at my, you know, in my apartment. And now right. I'm, I'm coming home to a pot roast the size of Canada. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm also, and it's not even the, what we're describing, like what's for dinner and she's cooking the pot roast mm-hmm. and I'm working the job. Like 
we were also just trying to sort of fit into what we thought you, you know, were supposed to be when you got married, the gender roles, like the, and it was all, it was just like the, a sort of comfortable pair of shoes that you were like, well, I guess I'm going to be, or maybe not, maybe an uncomfortable pair of work boots (laughs) that you're told you have to wear. And so I was like, well, I guess we're wearing these work boots now and I'm going to eat this giant pot roast and I'm going to, it's just, it was all these things all these changes that I think were pretty unnatural. I, I came we, from, we just had, I feel like we had no, like we had no tools, like looking back years later, we had no tools. We had, I had no parents. He had parents yeah. that were, you know, hours away and right. not terribly mm-hmm. engaged in the early years mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. had their own, you know, marital baggage as everybody does. Sure. And right. you know, we hadn't done any, premarital counseling it was just so everything was so fast but then yeah it was just like well how do we I don't know how we even do this and how do we even relate to each other I also had a nervous breakdown (laughs) our first year of marriage um where I decided that I did not want to teach theater Mm. and write plays yeah she was really into my having all these degrees and I would yeah. be stable and employable, and we would have some it wasn't, quiet yeah, life. Yeah, it wasn't a degree so much. It was. It was. I I felt like when we were dating and engaged, mm-hmm. he was like so focused on like this is what I'm going to do with my life. Right. And I'd right. always say like I don't care about money, and I don't care about you know prestigious jobs or whatever. I just want you to do like decide what you want to do and just stick with it and be happy. Mm-hmm. And so yes, that was that through through another monkey wrench in the totally yeah felt was supposed to be stable was not and right um that's what's amazing about marriage, you know, as a, as a therapist and talking to people about marriage all the time is that it's branded as this like very safe, very stable thing to do, right? You know, like it's going to be so secure, you're going to love it. Um, and like you're noticing for yourselves immediately upon getting married, you know, the, 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 life deals you uh cards that you could totally not expect right you know and 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 you have to figure out what do we do with this right you know even if you had tools right even if you had done like premarital counseling some of these things wouldn't wouldn't be preventable right it's just the the kind of part and parcel of being married is is dealing with unexpected events and figuring out all right how are we going to continue to love each other as we grow and evolve right and life changes so dramatically even if even if you don't move even if you don't change jobs like everything about sort of your day-to-day life just changes so instantly we did we liked each other and we got along and we didn't care about money. We knew we needed some money, but we didn't, we didn't <laughs> yeah. care, about, you know, striking it right. rich. We both loved family and being near family. We loved the South and we knew we probably wanted to stay in the South. And we, we had both grown up with relatively happy families to a point. Um, she had, she had, uh, some family discord. Mm-hmm. I had a different kind of family discord, but um, yeah. we both love the idea of family and of being uh-huh. together and like a yeah. kind of cozy, like kind of classic American family situation. Right. Like we, we loved that and we had experience with that and we loved each other, but man, it was a, uh, it was rough. That those first years of marriage leading up to uh, the birth of our first child, mm-hmm. um, when I look back now, it just feels like the world's longest boot camp where I just, it was just not, even when we had moments of great joy, I don't remember being happy so much as being hopeful in discovering a new kind of happiness eventually. Right, right. And, and that's the case for so many young couples like this. This, this thing we were promised is much more challenging than expected. And, you know, the hope we put place is in the, the, the future happiness, perhaps, right? You know, as we go through these tumultuous, difficult times. Um, and, and it seems like that was a big part of uh, your first couple of years. Um, now, now, at what point, Harrison, did you start writing books about your, your own life and about the marriage? Um, I was... So it was right around the time we got married that when I realized like, okay, I'm not, I don't want to write plays. Um, I plays, I was writing, 
I've always been funny and expressive and interested uh-huh. in books and movies. And I, so I knew I wanted to do something, but it ta- it often still takes me a long time to figure things out. And even now, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you will have things figured out so much more quickly than I will. As, as smart as I f- pretend to be, it takes me forever to yeah. figure stuff out. And I was, I was like, I don't think I want to write plays. I don't think I'm interested in that. Mm-hmm. And so um, mm-hmm. I had done a little bit of stand-up comedy before we got married. And I had I'd always written a lot of prose because when you're, you know, when you have four yeah. degrees, like you write papers and things. And, right. and I realized like, okay, right. maybe I can write books. So then it was like, all right. It was a decision tree of do I want to write fiction or nonfiction? And, and I struggled with writing a novel. I really, really tried to. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And right. I was talking to a friend one day and I said, I don't really, I really don't know what to write about. And she said, well, as yeah. long as it's as right. funny as the stories that you used to tell about your dad, then mm-hmm. it'll be great. Mm-hmm. And that, that really got yeah. me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I've been telling stories about my family uh, for a long, long time. So I sort of yeah. dove into that and trying to write stories about my childhood. At the same time, I wrote a couple of stories in which Lauren was a character, meaning these were nonfiction yeah. essays, yeah. and she might have a line or two of dialogue. And I actually published right. one, and that was very strange. And then I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do mm-hmm. what comedians do, which is, you know, when Jim Gaffigan stands up, he's telling stories about his wife yeah. or his kids or whatever. I was like, well, right. maybe that's what I'll right. do. And that was, so I started trying to do that in 2003. And it would be 10 mm-hmm. years before I actually got a literary agent and had written and published enough stories that I could get a book deal. So it took a long time. So that first book came yeah. out in 2015 when I was 39. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. from there, it it was just, I mean, I feel like I could write three or four more books of just stories about my life and Lauren and our girl. Um, It's endless material. Yeah, it really is. Right. And and Lauren, so what was that like for you? You know, he's writing about, about you and, and, and you're, you know, someone now that is exposed to, you know, the world to anyone that's going to pick up his book. Well, what is that like? Um, I mean, the content obviously of the first two books is very different than the third. So, um, I mean, I feel like in a lot of ways it was providential that the first two books had already been written before the third book. Mm -hmm. I feel like third book was like the only book he'd ever written. I'd have been like, (laughs) yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Already. that's right. the idea of being a character in his books. Um, I mean, when, mm-hmm. when he was writing the first book, that was, that was hard. Um, just timing wise, you know, all the girls were little, he, mm-hmm. he spent so much time right. writing um, that I, I knew that he loved it and that, but I really just kind of saw mm-hmm. it as a hobby. It was like, you know, yeah. some guys go fishing all day long or some guys play Right. off all day long and their wives are like oh he's right. on the golf right. course again and so I just kind of treated it that way I'm like well yeah. he's he's at least in the house somewhere probably writing yeah. or on his computer yeah. or occasionally go to a coffee shop mm-hmm. so I really just viewed it as a hobby and and he was always right. um he would engage me and ask questions what do you think about this is this funny and I would read things mm-hmm. um so he, I always yeah. got Uh, veto power and I definitely felt included in the process which I appreciated Mm -hmm. um and most of the stories especially in those first two books you know were funny and true I'm like oh yeah I totally see that you know the sarcastic comments or whatever um Mm -hmm. so so yes I did and we actually talked about this yesterday in our own marriage counseling um that I Mm -hmm. that Obviously, over the course of 20 years, we have evolved as people. Yeah. Our marriage has evolved. But so right. has the right. idea of his writing and what the, what him being a writer and an author in our family, what that really looks like. And I think right. we've been able to find a happy medium where I am more respectful of, of the writing as an art and that it really mm-hmm. does so much time and thought and that it's not just this silly right. little 
oh, he just writes books on the side. But it really is a career. Right. It has become a career for him. Yeah. Um, but also just a creative right. outlet that he almost is compelled, I has to do, um, versus mm-hmm. how I to think about it, which was just kind of a waste of time and yeah. kind of like, can you just like not, and can't you just help with the kids? Right. Now that could have happened, right. but again, yeah. lots of books and therapy and years later, we we've come to a place right. and I feel like he's also less defensive. Um, yeah. I don't I feel like he doesn't have to defend it anymore. He does have three books. They are right. successful. Right. Um, he can confidently yeah. Say, I'm a writer and this is what I do and I'm good at it. Um, and so, you know, it's just part of the evolution of, of maturing as humans and maturing as yeah. professionals to say like, yeah, I'm a writer and that's what totally. I do. Whereas 20 years ago, I felt like, like I kind of had to apologize mm-hmm. for it. And he kind of ha- felt like he mm-hmm. had to defend it. And so it became that the, the right. writing became like a barrier between us in our marriage where right. now I in a lot of ways, the writing, not just the third book, but just the process of being a writer and being married to Mm -hmm. a writer, Mm -hmm. um, and in some ways has made our marriage closer and more, um, I don't know, more engaging or more, um, understanding of each other, I guess. Totally. So obviously the third book here, How to Stay Married, addresses a significant moment in your marriage. And, and, you know, it's uh, your, your experience of and, and recovery from infidelity. And so, you know, like you're saying, Lauren, it went from being your bit player in, in his books to a significant depiction of a very deeply personal event. And, 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 you know, this is a thing that a lot of people experience, all sorts of people experience this, right? And, and I'm curious if you can speak to, just first off, the decision to write a book about this, right? About this thing that was so deeply, deeply personal. It didn't really, uh, I mean, in one sense, it didn't feel like a decision at all. It felt like a necessity um, that I that I had to do, in part just yeah. because um, over time, writing really became my way of understanding the world. And I guess it always had been, or storytelling, um, which became writing. Um, And so in a way, like what would, you know, I'm kind of an idiot. And uh, I I experienced the world on, and I I guess this is true of all artists, maybe it's true of every person, but I experienced the world Mm -hmm. at a that's sort of a different level. Um, it seems yeah. like regular people and, uh, mm-hmm. which is why I'm like things that I do that my wife is like, yeah, duh. I'm like, wow. Like it, th- I just, I don't yeah. know. I, so I typically write yeah. stories that about things that blow my mind. Uh, and yeah, most right. kind of blow my mind. Um, and yeah. like, how could my dad be my dad? We were so different. How did that even happen? Or right, uh, which right. Is what, kind of what the, what my first book was about. Um, and yeah. so when crazy things would happen to me, I would go, you know, I, I feel like if I can write about this, maybe I'll understand it better. Yeah. And maybe other people right. uh, who are idiots in the world will also see like, oh, there's somebody <laughs> else who was confused by that thing. Right. Um, and, right. and so when, uh, when our marriage exploded, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. really in like 2017 and then again in 2020, um, when it really yeah. exploded, uh, what I discovered that, that Lauren was having an affair and wanted a divorce Mm-hmm. Um, it so blew my mind. Like, how could I not have known this was happening? And that's what most people, mm-hmm. who, you know, find, find out this yeah. terrible news, right. how they feel. Um, right. but I was like, how could I not have known? I'm such an idiot. Like, holy crap, what is mm-hmm. going to happen now? It was yeah. so, I, the only way I knew how to process was through writing. Now writing on yeah. journaling, writing letters to yourself or whatever, that's very different than mm-hmm. publishing a book. 
Um, unfortunately, right. I have an agent. So it's very easy to just take something I've written and be like, hey, check this out. Do you think we could, you know, make a Yeah, right. Um, right. So in some sense, so, so that's the answer to your question. That the, in, in one sense, it wasn't a, a decision at all. It was like, wow, this, this holy, yeah. holy effing shit, man. Like, what is happening? I have to right. write this so I will right. understand what's happening. And any artist right. out there will understand what I mean by you have to kind of write the thing or make the thing before you even understand yeah. the thing. And, um, right. and then in the second sense, so... I'll answer the second half of that question, which is like what you had to decide at some point to publish it. So in the midst of yeah. all this, I'm writing about it. Um, this I'm, I was I started writing about it really in 2020. And then in 2021, mm -hmm. right around the time that Lauren moved out, um, mm -hmm. I, I called my agent because, you know, you can't, you can keep things not <clears throat> secret, but like, you don't want to go telling the world, you don't want to go tell the world that your wife is having right. an affair, um, especially sure. one in the middle of dealing with it. You have a circle of trust. You've got your, your yeah. small group of close friends, maybe a therapist, maybe a, yeah. a pastor or a mentor. Right. Mate, you might tell a parent, mm -hmm. whatever. You have a small group. And I had that group. But right. <clears throat> when she moved right. out, uh, it was no longer secret that other people were going to find yeah. out. And the reason you keep the yeah. group small is not because you're afraid of gossip. It's not because you're afraid of mm -hmm. shame. It's because like mm -hmm. uh, you're trying to contain the problem without uh, sweeping it under a rug. You're trying to contain it. You don't want to have right. to deal with yeah. with uh, awkward stares and difficult questions from your kids, totally friends, parents, yeah. and you know at school. Like you're just trying to keep it. Right. You're trying to mitigate the damage. And but when she moved out, it was very obvious that like everybody at church was going to know people at her place yeah. of employment were going to know people in our neighborhood. Right. And so I was talking to my agent, just a kind of regular update conversation. And I was like, and she was, I, she was checking in to see what I was working on. My previous book had come out like two years before. And I was like, well, I'm actually writing about, um, what's going on right now at home? And she's like, what's going on? Yeah. I was like, oh, Lauren just moved out. And she's like, Oh my God. Cause she yeah. knew Lauren well, because she had, right. she was the agent for the previous book. So she, to her, Lauren was right. this real life right. character that she knew and loved. And totally. she was like, what happened? I was yeah. like, Oh, well, she had an affair with one of our friends and now she lives down the yeah. street and I'm a single father of three. Right. And she's like, Oh my gosh. Right. And uh, I was yeah. like, I think I'm writing. I think I need to write about this. Um, I know that seems crazy. Mm -hmm. She was like, well, what happened? Mm -hmm. well, what if she comes home? Because we, I still had a thin thread of hope that we could reconcile. Right. But I wasn't right. being Pollyanna about it. I, I wasn't uh, pie in the sky. Yeah. I knew that it was probably not going to yeah. happen. Um, but I, yeah. uh, for some reason, just did not, um, had not completely written her off or written our marriage off quite yet. I, again, right. probably because I'm an idiot, probably because the <laughs> I'm dumb. And honestly, like people are like, dude, well, how there's a blessing in that too, right? Because you're, you're, you're leaving room for hope, um, you know, in, in yeah, that situation. I, and it, it, you know, I just have, um, I have some might options. not. I think as, as depressed as I can be as a creative person, I tend to have a lot of optimism mm -hmm. about the world or at least about my place yeah. in the world. I really do think things are going to work right. out for me constantly, which there is, that is so yeah. valuable. That is like the most valuable thing that I probably have in my personality. But I told my agent, I was like, eh, right. remember this book. and she's like, how could you do that? What if she comes back? And I went, well, if she comes back and I'll have a happy ending. I don't know. And she goes, but what if she doesn't? And I was like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it'll still have a happy ending. Um, so I just yeah. kept working on it. My therapist right. said, you know, encourage me to write as a sort of therapeutic tool yeah. while this is going on. Uh, eventually, totally. Lauren did come home. And after she'd been home mm -hmm. for a few months, I was like, hey. So obviously, like every day, intense conversations, therapy. Right, right. Um, you know, our driveway talks, which lasted between 30 right. minutes and two hours every morning. I don't know how we had jobs yeah. or kids at the time. And they were yeah. rough yeah. and they were like tears right. and questions. And it was 
And so in the midst of yeah. all this, hey, so I am, I think I'm writing a book about all this. And what did mm-hmm. you say? <laughs> um, I feel like you've been talking for a long I have. time. I was all prelude. What, what did you say, Lauren? What did you, what did you, uh, uh, what did you I say mean, when I he told you that? Writing writing it, I, yeah, I knew he was writing a, about what was happening mm-hmm. again in a way mm-hmm. that I thought was like more like journaling. Like I just need to process and get this on, you know, because right. that's how he processes everything. Right. This is everything. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I had, I had just moved home. So it was still very fresh and raw mm-hmm. and we were kind of reeling still yeah. and figuring out like, what does this right. even look like? And um, yeah. And so the fact that he even mentioned it like early on was you know, like kind of classic, like really <laughs> like mm-hmm. of all the things that you're going to talk yeah. to an idea about it, this right. is it. And so my first reaction was like, right. I was so mad. I think I stormed inside and slammed the door. I was like, you can literally mm-hmm. write about anything. Like, why are you writing about that? Like not just writing this, like right. why do you want this to actually be published and be a book? Like I was just completely not open to the idea at all on any level and um similarly what he was saying about our circle you know like i yes i had a few close friends and family that i had confided in and were talking to and our pastor and our counselors and that was it you know it was like obviously he had shame and guilt and fear um, from from a sort of victim perspective, but I also had shame and guilt right. and fear from being the one that yeah. had the affair and left, and um, mm-hmm. you know, especially in Christian circles. I mean, kind of universally, sure. an affair is is yeah. scandalous and frowned upon, but especially in Christian circles, it is. And so I was yeah. very much like. Um, just trying to work through like, how do I hold my head high and how do I even recover mm-hmm. socially from this? Yeah. And who knows? And right. who doesn't? And what right. are they saying about me? And what are they texting each yeah. other? I mean, it was really good gossip mm-hmm. and we live in a fairly small community and um, sure. the idea of it being, you know, global on some level was just horrifying to me. Um, and I, yeah. I, I just right. didn't, any redemption at that point we were still so in the like darkness and mog of it all in the thick of it yeah that i I just not imagine there being anyone that would want to read a story like this and be and have like right happy feelings about it um can i take it over from here briefly because i'm not done oh keep going um so as time evolved, though, I mean, even just a few months later, I had started mm-hmm. um, telling more details to friends and confiding in them right. and right. telling not just mm-hmm. the story of, of the affair and leaving and all of that, but even like my childhood right. and trauma of my dad yeah. leaving my mom and kind of unpacking all yeah. of those things. And um right. And had several, and and all of the feedback was always positive. Of like, this is such a mm-hmm, good mm-hmm. story. Like, you just have a really good story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. I did start to look at our marriage and our story and my my childhood and his mm-hmm. childhood and our whole relationship mm-hmm. really as a story and not just yeah. this thing that happened in a moment of time, which was having right. an affair. Um, so I did right. start to come around more to the idea of like, okay, what would it look like to have a book about this? Maybe this is a book yeah. that people do need to read and maybe it is yeah. helpful. Maybe it would be helpful for somebody, right. um, whether they've had an mm-hmm. affair or not, or whether they've experienced infidelity on any level. Um, there yeah. aren't there aren't a lot of people willing to kind of get into the mess and engage mm-hmm. um, really in any m- marriage mess, <laughs> much less. Um, yeah, right. Right. So, well, for me at the, uh, you know, like why write this? Why not write something else? The short answer mm-hmm. is like, as it was happening, even before we started to mm-hmm. reconcile, mm-hmm. even at the yeah. lowest moments, I felt like every day, I was receiving these like gems of insight and understanding about her mm-hmm. or health, yeah, or, right. marriage, or life or God mm-hmm. or love, all of these things. It was like every yeah. day 
and these, this was the absolute worst season of our life together yeah. or apart. Right. It was like every day I would wake up and find this, some new gym in my mm-hmm. mind, mm-hmm. In my thinking. Yeah. And, right. and so it was like, why would I not share these insights with the world? Yeah. Right. Uh, it was like, oh, right. I could write a funny book about our dog, but like, I've got this <laughs> giant suitcase full of priceless gems that has yeah. grown every day right. with this awful, horrid right. experience. It felt selfish mm-hmm. not to somehow tell yeah. the story. And of course, it, it's right. also very true that like, uh, yeah, but if you tell this story, you're telling everybody all of your dirty laundry. It's going to look like an attack on my yeah. wife. It's going to look like uh, making her wear a scarlet S. Um, and that's not right. at all how Right. seemed or felt to me, but I knew that it would look like that to other people. And so she had to find... Were you thinking about, um, were you thinking about the Scarlet Letter 2 as a title at first? Oh, no. no. <laughs> I had lots of... Uh, my, my working <laughs> title was a Hell of a Marriage. That was my working title. Hell of a Marriage. That's good. That's, That's really good. good. But how to save a marriage. How to stay married titles. is good, too. There were days and weeks right. that we would literally just spend hours texting each other back and forth. What about this? What about that? I hate that. I hate that too. Right. Um, I mean, yeah. so many titles. It was ridi- It was way worse than naming our children, which is also <laughs> really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and I, I, I think it's great. Coming up with a baby name was hard. Try naming a book about <laughs> having an affair. Like it's really hard. Right. Yeah. Really. So I, I really love how both of you are, are you know, got around to this idea of the redemptive power of storytelling, right? You know, the way that we make meaning out of these traumas in our marriage is is so significant, so important in how it it you know allows us to continue to evolve and grow and 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 learn from them. And obviously, yours is a very public story, but every couple I think tells tells stories to each other, to to their family, to their friends, and and um, you know it, it's a meaningful thing. And and when it comes to infidelity, we have these archetypes, like you're mentioning, Harrison, right? You know the Scarlet Letter, you know the, the, these ideas about what each person, the roles that they occupy, the the the, the their kind of archetypal um, f- you know, figures that they play, and and the book does a great job of transcending some of those archetypes, right? You know that it's not just like someone's a cheater and someone's the betrayed or, you know, these kind of really reductive ideas of like once a cheater, always a cheater that, that, that really don't help people grow from, from all of this. Right. You know, and I, and I so appreciate that about, about your story is that, Hey, this is complicated. We're normal, regular people, any person in any, in any marriage, you know, could find themselves in this position. Right. You know, and, and I guess I wonder when you when you think about how people receive this book, what do you hope and, and you receive your story of, of your your recovery? What do you hope that they take away from it? Um, you want to answer that? Um, gosh, I, I mean, I've thought about that in a not in the exact same way that you phrased it. Um, that's a really good question. I mean, I think I would hope that. If, I mean, first of all, like it really is not a like how to follow these steps and you'll stay married. So, um, the title is a joke, (laughs) right? Like we are not therapists. We, we certainly could have ended in divorce and not be sitting right here together. Like that could 100% have been our story. Um, and Mm so I, I think that's, like one caveat is like y- you might get divorced <laughs> if you cheat on yeah. your spouse um, and you might right. get divorced even if you don't cheat on your spouse. But I think f- yeah. for our story and for this book and the, and the hope would be that if you, if someone was in my shoes and felt so trapped and so um, alone mm-hmm. and seeking something that yeah. I thought would make me happy or fill a, a lot of sadness and void that I had experienced my whole life. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I really felt like I had gone, I, I had, was to the place where I was so far gone that there was no way I was going to come back. Um, there was no yeah. way that he was going to forgive me, but it was also um, mm-hmm. having to kind of push through and 
and realize that there really is forgiveness for for anyone. Yeah. It may not be it may not be yeah. redemption, and it may not be that you stay married, but there there can be forgiveness. Right. Um, and the, and that if I was able to kind of move past the shame and move mm-hmm. through that mm-hmm. um, kind of yeah. mire I was stuck in towards Harrison and towards redemption, that like anybody can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obviously, his yeah. forgiveness was key in that that happening. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But right. that no one, like, no marriage is un, unfixable. It, it can be fixed. It just takes right. a lot of work. Um, and, and it yeah. takes a lot of humility to be like, you know what? Like, I messed mm-hmm. up in a catastrophic way. And I had to be humble. And sure. he had to be humble. And um, I had right. to get, get past the the exterior facade facade of like, what will people think of me? Like on some level it was like, mm-hmm. will it be more shameful for me to admit to this and go home and like, you know, tuck my mm-hmm. tail between my legs or will it be more shameful for mm-hmm. me to live into this life and get divorced? And I really had to make that decision. Like what, <laughs> what, yeah. how much shame and right. like torture am I willing right. to like succumb to? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. be okay with saying, you know what? I am a miserable piece of shit and, but so is he. And so is everybody on some level. Um, and being mm-hmm. willing and humble enough to say like, I need help. And this is not the life that I yeah. want and surrounding right. ourselves with the right people and the right voices at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. continuing to surround ourselves with those people. Um, yeah. I think all of that is in the book of just community um, that it's way right. bigger than just two people. It's it really is letting totally. letting everybody else in if they're willing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to come in. So, yeah, that was yeah. a very long answer, yeah. Miss. <laughs> I loved it. Beautiful. Well done. Now, now you talk also about the role of forgiveness, and and you two are are Christian people, and and you I de- you talk about that in detail in the book. But I'm curious. If you think about this, I, I talk about this all the time with couples, like how do you arrive at this place of forgiveness? What does that mean and, and look like? Um, for people that are, are not necessarily inside of a faith tradition, you know, what, how would you describe that process and, and the way that you arrived there? Um, I mean, that's, that's tough. Uh, there is no... The con, I just, I mean, I know there are smarter people listening uh, than I am, but um, I really don't know if the concept of forgiveness makes any sense outside of a metaphysical <laughs> philosophy, mm-hmm. uh, outside mm-hmm. of a faith tradition, whether it's uh, Judaism, mm-hmm. Christianity. Um, right. You know, I mm-hmm. feel like, it's, um, I mean, Buddhism has a sort of kind of forgiveness in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, it's, I don't even know if you can talk, I don't even know if it makes sense. The concept of forgiveness just doesn't quite make sense unless mm-hmm. it's like a utilitarian, uh, well, you forgive people so that they don't hurt you and the world will be better, <laughs> you know, uh, eye for an eye creates, you know, world full of blind people or something. Or like know. this algorithmic thing where it's like, you do this many good things and then you've earned forgiveness yeah, or you've karma, arrived there you know, or like. Yeah, like you forgive because of karma. You forgive because it's nice, and then maybe somebody will forgive you down the road. Like, sure. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah. for me, the idea of forgiveness is so it's so appealing and so impossible at the same mm-hmm. time. Uh, it's appealing yeah. to the idea of um, you can screw up and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a yeah. that's a pretty appealing idea. Because everybody screws up yeah. a lot, I screw up all the time, right. and I love, right. I love being forgiven, Trevor. It's my favorite. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, and yet to to forgive, but when, and so it's it's great when it's you who needs to be forgiven, uh, whether it's for right. a speeding ticket or uh, saying something you shouldn't say at work, um, or right. having an right. affair, or any, or you know, getting drunk mm-hmm. at your sister-in-law's wedding or what I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't know um yeah but right. when but forgiving other people um forgiving others is seems to be pretty easy when the when the crime doesn't really affect you very much 
Um, yeah, but when it, right. But when it when it's when it really is against you and it's a violation of right. everything right. Ab- that you stand for, uh, and that's what mm-hmm. that's what uh, infidelity feels like. It it is mm-hmm. it just feels yeah. like everything that matters to you is absolutely just gutted with a knife. Forgiveness there yeah. is much harder. It's e- much easier to forgive people you don't have to see every day. Um, right, right. You know, like, yeah, totally. You know, it's, it's very easy to forgive your parents after you, you know, leave home and go through therapy because yeah. you don't have to interact with your mom and dad every day when you're an adult. Right. Most, most right. adults don't. Um, but forgiveness in a marriage yeah. is so hard because you're you, you you see the person every day. And they continue to give you reasons mm-hmm. not to like them because that's what humans do when they're alive. Um, right. So, right. Uh, you know, there's a line in the book where I say um, the most powerful force in the universe is love and the strangest is forgiveness. And mm-hmm. I still mm-hmm. think that it's still very strange. Yeah. Um, right. It's so in the early days after Lauren came home, we were there. It was very fragile. We were in the ICU of marriage. Um, any small disagreement, you would immediately go back to the affair. Like, you know, joke. I, you know, she would want tacos for dinner and I would want pizza. Well, who wins? I win. She had an affair, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and we laugh. We're calling dominoes right now. The, the process happens in your head like um because yeah. the human mind is always sort of looking for evidence that it is correct and whoever it is disagreeing with is incorrect and um and right. so this idea of forgiveness of like um the blank slate the uh the, the people who had that other marriage are no longer us we've grown we're different she's different mm-hmm. the person who had the affair this right. is not it um, the person who made our marriage, uh, who, as, as much as her, who made it a very not fun place to be, um, mm-hmm. I made our, mm-hmm. I made our marriage, um, super not fun for many, many years. Mm-hmm. That person is yeah. not this, yeah. that was a different person. And so mm-hmm. forgiveness is, you know, we yeah. talk about giving and forgetting, but in a way it's more like forgetting and remembering, I'm sorry, forgiving and remembering mm-hmm. that the person who committed the crime can change mm-hmm. whether the crime yeah. is great or small. Yeah. It's so, it's so weird right. and it's so hard, I, I, but I don't yeah. know if I can describe forgiveness to somebody who doesn't believe in transcendent uh, concepts that yeah. go beyond the material. Yeah. Yeah. It's challenging because I do, I work with a lot of people that recover from infidelity in my, in my practice. And, you know, I find that, that when, when people don't have a faith tradition, you know, trying to wrap their head around this, like you're saying, it's transcendental, it's, it's metaphysical and, and it, there isn't an easy model, right? There's not something you can just point to, right? In that sort of way. Catholics are the easiest to work with because they're like, oh man, I love this idea of like, I did something wrong. Tell me exactly what I got to do. And then we can move forward. (laughs) And that, that works pretty well. (laughs) But, but, you know, it's, it's, it's. Well, go ahead. Lauren. What were you saying? I was just saying it. I think also a weird kind of twist that happens in the mind mm-hmm. of of the the cheater. That's me. Um, mm-hmm. Is there was definitely a moment in time where I had to decide if I wanted to be forgiven or not, because mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. some level I knew that he could be forgiving and saying, it's okay. I want you to come home. I forgive you. Let's yeah. move on and let's right. fix this. Let's go to therapy. Right. But I could have also made a choice to not be forgiven and say, Nope, I, sure. I don't want your forgiveness. I, yeah. for whatever right. reason, either like, I don't, I don't want to reconcile. Therefore I don't want forgiveness or also I don't want mm-hmm. to, um, face the reality that I need to be forgiven. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. So, and, and then you can kind of even manipulate it further. And, and I could think of myself as the victim then. Um, sure. Well, you know, right. he is forgiving, but like, I can't, and I don't deserve to be forgiven. So I'm just going to like, mm-hmm. di- we'll just get divorced and I'll just wither away. Sure. And then it'll be like, I'll be like so yeah. sad and so lonely. And, and that's just, mm-hmm. that's so manipulative and backwards to, to then flip that on its head and say, no, I, yeah. I, 
I did mess up, but he is willing to forgive me. Therefore, I need to be willing to forget, to let the forgiveness sink in and and move past it. And not not that we not that you sweep it under the rug. You do deal with it and and go to the counseling and have the sessions and and yell and scream and fight and work through it. Um, But I don't have have, I mean, we make jokes about the, you know, dinner thing and him having like the trump card. But but ultimately, I have not felt that I I I feel like if if the roles were reversed and he had cheated on me, I definitely would act like that. Like I'd be like, I'm always going to have this little card in my back pocket. And I don't, I've not gotten that sense from him. He doesn't hang it over my head. Um, You know, it's not something obviously that we talk about constantly, but the book has kept it um, for better or worse, fresh, so to speak. um, So that we do kind of have to revisit it and talk about it and, um, yeah. you know, do podcast interviews and um, all of yes. those. But I mean, that would be another thing I would say. Your other question about like, yeah. what would people get out of this? It's just the like, don't, don't like, don't let yourself become an unnecessary victim in some situation that can be right. resolved. You know, like it's okay to be like, yeah, we both participate. I let you forgive in this me. Forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, right. I right. forgive you. You let totally. me. Forgive you, you forgive me and I'll let you forgive me because it really right. has to be both Absolutely. for both. Yeah. It's a multifaceted thing. And, and, you know, it's, it's like, we're talking about transcendental in a way we, we, there's this, this saying, right. To err is human and to forgive is divine. And it's not to say that the person that forgives is then in, in the place of divinity, but, but there's a touch of divinity in the way that we heal together. Right. And, and, and clearly, as y'all talk about it, as y'all have written about, right, that there, there, there is that sort of feeling of divinity and, 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 uh, you know, being able to transcend this, this kind of hell and hellish landscape that you are in. And, and that's so inspiring for, for, for couples. And certainly as a couples therapist, I really love that. I always want people to talk more about their, their experiences of, of dealing with, uh, the, the hardest moments in marriage because it's so normal and so much a part of what this is all like for everybody, for normal people. And, and so I'm, I thank you both for your commitment to, you know, commit the, commit your, your kind of hardship to, to, you know, ink and, and uh, code and, and, and to allow um, yourselves to kind of continue to tell this story to, to hopefully help people um, feel, feel like, Hey, this is, this is a part of life. This is part of marriage. And this is something that, that um, can be, can be overcome. Right. And so I, I'm, I appreciate you being willing to come on here today and talk about it. Now you mentioned, right. That we, we got the book is called how to stay married. Right. Um, now, um, what should the title of our, of our story here today that we're telling be, you know, you mentioned you had a lot of good titles, you know, in, in the, in the backlog. <laughs> we had a lot of terrible titles in the backlog. Uh, what was the worst? What was the worst one? Oh, oh gosh, even... we can't say it. It cannot even be spoken into words. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I know what it is, and you know I what know, it is. Yeah, the, it's going to go to the grave. And my, knows and my what sister it is. knows what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, nice. But um, what, we, what could we call this episode? Maybe forget, forgive and forgive. No, I mean, let, For- let me finish. Let me yeah. call it, let me finish. It could be called stop talking. Stop talking now. <laughs> it's my turn. I can hear you interrupting me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Do you like, I like hell of a marriage. Oh, that's good. Yeah, let's yeah, call it that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We'll go with that. Nobody has ever liked that title. I, my agent didn't like it. Really? I'm like, this oh is my gosh. Good. I love that title. It's good. It has a double team. Right. It's like positive and negative at the same time. Hell of a marriage. We're talking about this whole idea of like, you know, transcending, you know, these, these challenging things. And that's what, you know, it's like very uh, Dante, you know, I guess. Yes. Um, So great to talk with both of you today. Uh, For those listening, go check out How to Stay Married. What's the best place that they can buy that book? Anywhere books are sold uh, from um, the Evil Empire, uh, Amazon, to uh, <laughs> independent bookstores, uh, anywhere online, um, it's all over the place. Uh, we, if you go in a bookstore and they don't have it, you can request it and they'll get it. 
but it uh, she and I did the audio book ourselves, and um, mm. everybody I think universally nice. likes the audio book because it's us and it's such a personal topic. And so Lauren has a chapter right. in the book, and she she narrates that. Right. Um, and there's so much nuance in the story that I think it's pro- might even be better on Audible. So yeah, recommend that too. All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining today. All right, thank thanks, you. Trevor. We'll see you later, man. Where goes the time? Thank you for listening to today's episode of Marriage Stories. As always, I am your host, Trevor White. Production of this episode was done by Gabe Martinez. Music provided by OK Carol. Our website, where you can find all of our episodes and sign up to receive new episodes direct to your inbox, is launchtoland.com. Once again, that's launchtoland.com. Feel free to follow along on all of our social media channels at launchtoland, as well as our YouTube channel. Starting your own marriage story? Head over to launchtoland.com and check out our premarital counseling video series with host and licensed marriage and family therapist, Trevor White. This comprehensive series will prepare you to take off in the marriage you want. Listeners can use a special promo code, PROLOG, to get 15% off your first purchase. Once again, that is promo code PROLOG to get 15% off your first purchase. Enjoying Marriage Stories? Please subscribe, like, share, tell a friend, and leave a five-star review. And as always, be sure to join us next week as we take another marriage story off the shelf. 